Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in Highland Park and New Brunswick. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode, Work, is the third part of our series called Meaningless, Finding More in Life's Complexities, with the conversation being led by speaker Yukon Chu. Well, we are going to uh, take a moment, as we usually do, to look at the teachings of Jesus this morning and allow the teachings and the scriptures of Jesus to speak into our lives. We do that, of course, because we believe, like we said, we believe here in the holistic well-being, the holistic transformation of our city. We believe the spiritual part is an important part of that transformation. And we believe that we need a guide for us in this spiritual journey. We can't just kind of figure it out on our own. We need some help. And so here at Ethnos, we believe Jesus is a great guide. We believe for different reasons of all the different options in the world, he is an option worth our attention every Sunday. And so we take a moment to look at his scriptures here this morning. If you're here with us, not sure about Jesus yet, trying to figure it out, we welcome your ideas and your opinions as well. But we hope that this time can be a helpful time for us. Uh, as I mentioned, right, it's, it's, it is Mother's Day, and there are different feelings in the room, uh, but as we were preparing for this series and looking at where the topics landed, uh, on Mother's Day, as we were going through this series, it's interesting that our topic, in, you know, in coinciding with the book, was going to land on this topic of work, work. And I thought it was an interesting kind of coincidence, because when I think about my mom or the mothers I know, I think they're probably the hardest workers we have. I mean, I'm a dad and I think I do a lot, but I think moms like are just like, you know, light years ahead. And so uh, I think it's an interesting time to think about work, especially as we think about mothers as well. And so uh, today we're going to engage with uh, some of the more negative sides of work before we get to the positive sides. If you remember in this uh, series we've been going through called Meaninglessness, we've been looking at this scripture called Ecclesiastes. It was written by a cynical person. And so because of that, we're going to actually dive into some of the more negative perspectives of work before we get to the positive. And so let's, I, I hate to do this on a positive day, that at least the day we're trying to be positive, but we'll get, we're going to get started with a more negative question, okay, to get us discussing work. I want you to just, to get us started, turn to your neighbor, and, and let's just answer this basic question. What, what do you find most meaningless about your work? All right, some of you are ready to talk about this. That, that's, that's concerning, but that's okay. You got two minutes. Let's talk about this together. What Looks like there's some laughter, definitely some people talking. Uh, what, what are we thinking in this room here this morning? What, what do we find meaningless about our work, if we were honest? Your boss isn't here, don't worry. Your employer is not here. They may listen in online, but I won't say your name. Like, like Matthew Russell, what did you say? You know, like, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Who wants to share? 
Oh, over here, over here. Okay. Yes. All right. Get us started. I'm an academic, which means I will spend years writing research papers and working really hard on them, and then probably five people in the whole world will ever read them. <laughs> yeah. That sounds... So you feel pretty, okay, yeah, wow, that sounds, I, don't, I, don't, I won't put words in your, own mouth, in your mouth, but okay, yeah, wow, okay, thanks, Lydia, thanks for sharing, yeah. yeah. Uh, my current job is a project that is funded by tax dollars, and unfortunately this project feels like an exercise in futility, and therefore I feel bad getting paid for it because it feels like a waste of money. <laughs> Thank you, are tax dollars hard at work? Okay, <laughs> that's good. What else, what else are we thinking here in this room? Okay, yeah, let's get back here again, yeah. The upper deck today is alive and well, yeah. Um, I'm a therapist, so I love like working my time with my patients, with my clients, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of paperwork, so the paperwork just feels meaningless, feel bogged, a bit, bogged down by paperwork. Thank you. How many of us feel bogged down by paperwork at our workplaces? Yes, hands, some hands went up right away, exactly. Okay, any, any other thoughts? Where do we... Where do we feel meaningless? What do we find meaningless about our work? Anybody else? Yeah, over here? Okay, last one. Uh, I guess just in school, like uh, chasing good grades and yeah, those kind of things. Yeah. yeah. So you're actually chasing good grades? Like my students? Okay. And, I mean, like I, I was, uh, you know, like undergrad, so like okay. I've been, yeah. You've been there before. Yeah, yeah, you've been there before. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I wasn't trying to make fun of you about chasing good grades. I guess that's a good thing. Uh, but yeah, okay, great. Um, how many of us right now, if, if we were to like uh, have 50% have be a, the divining marker, how many of us feel like more than 50% of the time we feel like work, our work right now is meaningless? Just by a show of hands. Okay, some, okay, yeah, yeah, thanks for being honest. Okay, so a number of you here, this is something that's very true for you. Well, as I mentioned, uh, we're in this series called Meaningless through the scriptures of Jesus called Ecclesiastes. And the reason we're in this series is because we believe that in this season right now, in the spring season, uh, many of us uh, are asking questions, are wondering about how we can find more meaning, especially in the everyday challenging parts of our lives. Last week, we had the privilege, as you may remember, of having Professor Jim Hart with us to talk about pain and finding meaning in pain. And I think many of us found that very relevant. Today, we're going into work, and we're going to jump right into this ancient scripture of Jesus written some thousands of years ago, about 2,600 years ago. And like I said in the introduction, we're going to read about a very cynical person trying to find meaning aside from the God that Jesus knows. If you'll remember this introduction we gave a couple weeks ago to this interesting scripture called Ecclesiastes, oftentimes the phrase under the sun is used throughout the book. And it's used because he's trying to inform us that this is a perspective that has nothing to do with the God that Jesus knows that is in heaven. Now, here's the deal. Today, we are going to mention God, 
But it's going to be a very different sort of God from the Jesus, the God Jesus knows. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But let's just jump into this. And what we're going to do here today is I'm just going to read the first big paragraph. Read that scripture out loud. You're going to discuss it really quickly. And then I'm going to look at six different ways work is meaningless. Okay, just to kind of mention them real quick. And then we're going to ask the question, well, okay, if work is really this meaningless, what do we do about it? Like, how are we supposed to move forward? How do we find meaning in the sort of work that we have in front of us, okay? And so let's just read through this, and uh, I'll explain some things afterwards. We'll discuss while I'll explain some things, all right? So we're jumping right into the second chapter, and the author just gets right into it. He says this, so I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and they may leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All the day's work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness, but to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Why don't you turn to your table partners really quickly and just for about 30 seconds, just note really quickly, what jumps out to you about this, this, this uh, paragraph here? What, what jumps out to you about his perspective of work? 30 seconds. All right, so there, there's a lot going on here, lots of process. I'm going to just list out at least five different things I'm seeing in this paragraph, this first paragraph, about the realities of work, okay? You've, you've probably already processing this right now, but let's just take a look at five realities that this first paragraph talks about. Number one, we can't control the outcomes of our work, right? You notice many times in this paragraph, at least twice, this author says, you know, I'm going to leave what I've made or what I've worked for to other people who, who I don't know what they're going to do with it. This may be uh, the person's... Uh, posterity that will inherit the money. This may be, you know, some of us do work and we produce a product and then we give it to someone else, like in a group project, and you don't know what they're going to do with that. This may be, uh, you know, you, you, you give something to a consumer and, you, you know, you're, you're, you, you make a beautiful product for them to consume, but maybe they don't appreciate what you have. So, so we can't control the outcomes, number one, and that's frustrating. That definitely produces meaningless. Number two, People misuse those hard-earned results, right? It kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what uh, this, the first point is. 
And again, some of you can see that in your group work. Some of you see it in, uh, in the labor you've produced. People mis may misuse your hard-earned work. Number three, pain and grief are normal to the work process, right? You catch that, especially in the second paragraph near the end. He says this, uh, right, that, uh, where is it? Pain and grief, he uses those words. Oh, yeah, 22, 22, yeah, thank you. All their day's work is grief and pain. And some of you know this well in your work. Some of you have some great jobs right now. You're really excited about it, but some of you, Truth be told, you, you wake up every morning and you're like, man, I really would not, I don't want to go. I, I would rather not go. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of pain. And then right after that sentence there, many of us have sleepless nights. I, I love how this author is so honest. All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. Some of you are so anxious, so worried, so concerned about work. You're so concerned about paying the bills. You're so concerned about how your work doesn't produce enough money. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a chaotic cycle that is very difficult to, to, to find hope and to find meaning in. And then last but not least, Sometimes, even as we think about God, God doesn't seem to add much. God doesn't seem to help out much in the process of work. Yeah, I noted that this person is going to start talking about God in our reading, but I want you to notice that the perspective he has on God I don't think is a very good one. I mean, the second paragraph, you say, yeah, a person can do nothing better already, that the tone of that phrase, nothing better than to enjoy what they have and then he realizes, okay, well, this is from God, and maybe God gives good things to people who deserve it, bad things to people who don't. And so maybe that, that, that happens, okay, that's good. But then, you know, the last phrase is, he says, well, this is kind of meaningless. And then later on in the next chapter, he says this. Look at the second uh, excerpt. He says this, I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavy on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their, their, their heart desires, but God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. And so even as this author is trying to bring God into his, his mind, he feels like God isn't adding, adding to this conversation. God doesn't seem to help give us meaning to work. In fact, God maybe makes it even more frustrating because if God is supposed to be there giving good things to good people, giving bad things to bad people, what happens when the good people get the bad stuff and the bad people get the good stuff? It becomes meaningless. And so the question is, well, what do we do? Where do we move from here? How do, how do we find meaning to our work? I think a couple directions could be taken at this point. You know, some of us, as we think about these questions, we could use some career counseling, some job coaching, and that's a good direction to take. We're not going to turn this into a job coaching session. Uh, workshop or anything like that, no, but, but that is a worthwhile task, worthwhile path to look through, and some of us may need to go down that way. Some of us are in workplaces where an injustice is happening, 
and community organizing, getting your labor union involved, that is necessary. We're not going to go down that path, although that's a good path to take. What our author here is going to help us think about is actually how does God make sense? Even as work can be so meaningless, even as we think if God is part of this picture and it's still so meaningless, then surely God has nothing good to say about it. The way our author is going to do this is in a very interesting way. And so, so track with me very quickly, if you will. When we introduced this book of Ecclesiastes, we mentioned that most likely this book was written by a very cynical person. And because it was written by a cynical person, the point of the book isn't necessarily to do what the cynical person says. The point is to learn from the cynical person and sometimes do the opposite of what the cynical person says in order to move forward in the right direction. Now, you may be wondering, well, how do we know this? Is this just Yukon's interpretation? Are you sure about this? We know this because at the very, 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 very last section of this book, in the 12th chapter, the very last few paragraphs, what happens is fascinating. All of a sudden, the author of the book speaks up, meaning there are two authors in this book, or two writers, let me put it that way. All along, we've been hearing the cynical person talk about his view of life. And then at the very end, all of a sudden, another person speaks up and talks about the cynical person and says, you know what, this, this teacher had some things to say and all these things, but here's the conclusion of the matter. So you have two authors, two speakers. And so that, gives, that should give us a clue. Oh, okay, hold on. That, that, that first author, hmm, I need to reevaluate what his role is. And this is what the second author says, okay? And, the, and we have the last excerpt here, uh, or the third excerpt. This is literally, this, these are literally the last few sentences of the whole book of Ecclesiastes. And this is what he says. Now, all this has been heard. Here's the conclusion, okay? This is not the cynical guy writing. It's the other author now. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring to every deed, uh, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or it is evil. Now all this has been said. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. What is this person actually saying? How, do we, how should we interpret this? How should we understand this final word? And how might this help us understand how to understand work? Well, it's important to remember that when Jesus comes on the scene, remember, these are the scriptures of Jesus. Jesus uses these scriptures to talk about how God is working in our world. When Jesus comes on the screen, scene, screen, I'm thinking movies, on the scene, Jesus will say this about all the scriptures. He'll say that, you know what, these things all point to me, and I have the authority and interpretation to help us best understand what God means through these scriptures. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, what he begins to do is to actually help us unpack this final paragraph of Ecclesiastes. For example, you can see in this paragraph of Ecclesiastes 
the person is telling us to fear God and keep his commandments. Why? Because there is a future judgment that's coming where God will give good things and bad things, apparently, right? Now, here's the deal. When Jesus comes on the scene, he's going to actually help us expand and understand that phrase a little bit more. Because when he comes on the scene, he'll say, yes, there's going to be a judgment coming. But number one, you and I actually can't do much about that judgment because we're all kind of in trouble. And so he's going to say, I have a remedy to that judgment. I'm going to give a solution. I'm going to give forgiveness. I'm going to give meaning. I'm going to take any punishment that you, you should have deserved and take it away for you. I'm going, to give, I'm going to help you through that judgment. But then number two, Jesus says, you know what? I need you to understand that this judgment is not the full picture. The final stage of human life is not like you show up at a judge and you get a sentence and you go here or there. No, no, no. The final picture is actually one of beauty and one of joy, one of excitement, one of meaning and not meaninglessness. So, for example, if you look at the final scripture excerpt from today, this is in the scriptures of Jesus. It's from Romans. This is the only time in what we call the New Testament that the word meaningless is used. Now, you, it, it isn't translated in English as meaningless. But in the original language, it's the only time the word meaningless is used, and it's the same word used in Ecclesiastes. Okay, So, there's a deliberate connection to the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's the word frustration in this last paragraph. Notice what it says. For the creation was subjected to frustration or meaninglessness, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. What is this last paragraph saying? This last paragraph is basically telling us that when Jesus came and when Jesus did his work on a cross and when he rose from the grave, what he was doing was liberating our world from the meaninglessness that was all around us. That was part of what he was doing. And so Jesus helps us understand this last phrase. This is what this judgment is all about. But, but, but let's go back to this, third, this final paragraph of Ecclesiastes. What does it mean to fear God then and keep his commandments? How does Jesus help us better understand that? Well, the concept of fearing God in Ecclesiastes is, is, is more like the idea of ordering yourself correctly before God. Meaning, if there is a God, and He's real, and He has authority over our lives, we should probably order ourselves under Him in the correct way. Like, we shouldn't be like, oh, I'm above you, God. Hi. Or, oh, hey, I'm equals with you, God. No, we should probably, like, submit ourselves to God, order ourselves to God. But here's the deal. For most of us, God is very impersonal. For most of us, God is, like, out there, and He's bigger and better and Okay, he's above there. So how do, how do we order ourselves with this big God? Well, Jesus comes and he personalizes God for us. He comes and he shows us this is this God that Ecclesiastes is asking you to submit to or order yourself under. He isn't this impersonal force out there that just kind of gives good things to good people, bad things to bad people. No, no, this God is right here with us. This God is compassionate. This God is kind. This God wants you to know that He is a God you can touch and feel 
and experience a personal relationship with. And so to fear God isn't to say like, oh, let's, you know, walk around and be afraid or, oh, there's this impersonal God that, you know, is just out there that I have to deal with. No, to fear God means to get to know God through Jesus and to realize that this God is personal and that this God wants us to have life and wants to give us meaning. And he wants to help us through the meaninglessness of work. And so let's think about this then. Let's take a step back and just think about how this all applies to our workplaces and the meaningless we find there. You may be a mom today and you feel like your work with your kids or your work trying to make ends meet is just frustrating. It's, you're barely getting by. You may be working at some great company, making good money, but you just feel like, ah, this is so meaningless. I can't find, I can't find any help, any hope. Well, how might this last paragraph help us? How might these ideas help us? Number one, if God indeed is going to control the outcome, if there indeed is a future that is coming where he will judge us, but not only will he judge us, but the promise, the reward, the exciting thing about the future is finally a life of beauty and glory and meaning. If that really is our future, then, number one, that gives us hope for today. It shows that, that today still matters if God is going to both judge us but also give us something of beauty and worth and hope. And so it just, it just helps us through today. Today is not an end in itself. Today has meaning for something bigger. But then number two, if God is there and He's alive and He's not just this God out there that we should fear or submit to or order ourselves under, but he, if He's present right here with us, personal with us, then our work right now, right in the present, is a place where God actually is in Jesus. Some of you know I used to work at Jamba Juice before I became a pastor. I'm dead serious. Um, I made smoothies. Yeah, very meaningful. Um, high schoolers, middle schoolers, Jamba Juice is a good gig if you want to get started with work. You get a free smoothie every day. It's really good. But I mean, let's get serious, right? I'm, I'm literally making smoothies while, while I'm in seminary, studying to be a pastor. And, um, you know, it's not a very meaningful job. But I knew God was with me. I'm, I'm, dead, I'm dead serious. Like, God was with me. I just knew that. I knew that he was with me as I was making those smoothies. I knew, I knew he was with me as I was interacting with customers. I knew that my smile made a difference. I knew that my good customer service actually mattered. Because Jamba Juice is a little bit like coffee, I think. I mean, no, not, not, not exactly like coffee. But it's like the work of a barista, right? You get a lot of morning people coming in. They're all, like, upset about everything. And you can actually make a difference. You can. But God is there. He's present. And I knew that, I knew that that wasn't the end of the story, right? Like, I, I already knew God at the time. I was getting myself ready for what I do now. But I knew that, you know, this is all part of the process. And there's meaning in this. It's okay. It's okay that I work at Jamba Juice. 
It's okay that you work where you are. It's okay. Now, again, I'm not saying stay there. Maybe God is inviting you to move forward. Maybe you need some career coaching. Maybe you need to talk to a labor union and get some of your rights figured out. But maybe you also need to get in touch with Jesus and understand how he's present, how he has something bigger, how he has purpose. Can you join me in a final word of prayer here this morning? Again, God, we are thankful this morning for the number of different things we've had to process here this morning. For some of us, it's been mothers and, and the joy or the grief that comes with thinking about moms. For others, it's been work. Again, the joy and the grief that comes thinking about work. Oftentimes, it's not one or the other, it's both. And oftentimes, we are left wondering, God, God, where are you? What, what are you doing? How, how is there meaning in what has happened in our lives? How is there meaning in what we feel? Would you continue to guide us, God, and direct us to yourself and show us how you're present, how we can know you in the middle of this, and how you're actually directing us in the middle of this? Would you also show us, God, the future that is in your hands, the future that you hold where there will be rewards and punishments. There, there will be something beautiful and glorious and meaningful for all who hope in you. And so God, would you help us to hear from you here today and receive what you may have. And God, we do ask for your protection as we move forward from this morning into the rest of today, into this week through the ups and downs again of family life, the ups and downs of work, the ups and downs of this very challenging and chaotic world that we live in. Thank you that you are present. Thank you that you came, that you died, you rose again, and that you began something that will come to an end one day, be fully beautiful and fully meaningful. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos to Brunswick, please 